He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined today uh, by one of the busiest people, I think, since the end of the team that he covers season out there, like across sports, maybe, I think. <laughs> Sean Hyken of Bleacher Report. Sean, I just want to start. Have you slept? Like, where, where are you at, like, sleeping-wise? How have you been, like, how have you been holding up throughout the coaching search Dame's uh, press conference in in Vegas, the, all of this stuff. Like, where where's your sleep at right now? I mean, my sleep has never been great, and I actually <laughs> like during during COVID when there was really nothing going on, I was actually able to get a pretty good handle on it. But yeah, ever since the season ended, and then you know, pretty much immediately after that, Terry Stotts gets fired, and then all of this stuff happens with the coaching search, and you know. Now, obviously, the, the the Dame thing is probably the biggest non-finals story in the league at the moment. Yeah. So it's been it's been a lot going on. Yeah, you make the argument it's bigger than the finals. Like, in some I mean, in I, some maybe, way. but like, I mean, I guess in the sense that like fans, a lot of fans seem to care more about like trade rumors and stuff than they do yep. about the actual game that they apparently are fans of. But I I don't think that you know, Giannis being on the verge of winning his first championship and, you know, all, all of this. Like, I, I don't think that, I don't think Dame's trades, like the, the Dame trade saga stuff is going to always be there. Like this finals, this has been, this has probably been the best finals in terms of in enjoyable to watch. It's been the best. I think probably the last one I enjoyed this much was 2013, the, the first Heat Spurs finals. Yeah, that was, that was, that's up there for best finals of all time. And and I think this yeah. is right. I mean, we'll see how game six and, and maybe seven go, but yeah, but this I think is, Milwaukee's going to close out tomorrow. I think so too. I think so. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll, I think we'll know pretty early on how that game is going to go. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's probably my, my prediction there. So, all right, so let's start here. Um, and we'll get it out of the way because I don't think you or I think Dame future Lakers is going to happen. No. Um, I, Beyond the fact that the Lakers don't have the assets that it would take to land not just a superstar, but a superstar on the verge of a four-year contract, uh, beyond even that, Dame getting traded at all this summer is, is what odds do you think to you? I think not zero, but closer to zero than to 50-50. Okay, even, even a 50-50. Well, okay. I if I had to predict how this plays out, mm-hmm. I think that it's going to. I, and first of all, it's important to keep in mind he hasn't officially requested a trade, right? And from what he said the other day in his press conference, he isn't at the point where he's going to go into the into Neil Olshay's office and say trade me. Like that's not where he's at right now. I mean, it's pretty obvious reading between the lines that he's not thrilled with you know, where the organization is at and where the roster is at and probably heading that way that he is going to ask for that eventually. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that it's going to happen this summer for a few different reasons. One, as you said, he's under contract for four more years. So it's not like an Anthony Davis situation where yep. 
he can just leave after one year. So they have to trade him now and get whatever they can for him. Like it's and not also, bad. and also like with Anthony Davis, when he said, these are the teams that I will resign with too. Like that was an amount of leverage that those teams had in any negotiation, right? Wh- whoever, like, even if Dame says, I want to go to Miami, I want to go to LA or I want to go to New York, some non LA Miami or New York team could step in and say, I mean, we're going to trade for you. And if you don't like it, then we could send you to New York, Miami, LA and get whatever Portland was going to get in the first place anyway. Right. And and we can hit reset on whatever bad contracts or, or, or assets that we don't think are quite there. Like, right. They, like they, there, there are ways that teams can call Dame or Portland's bluffs in the way that teams weren't doing so with Anthony Davis. That's a giant, that's a giant, giant difference here. Well, I think the difference is that Anthony Davis was a clutch guy and it was pretty obvious that LeBron was pulling the strings behind the scenes to get him to LA. Mm-hmm. And that was, isn't really the case with Dame. I mean, the, I mean, even if he had less years on his contract, like Toronto knew that Kawhi Leonard didn't want to go there and they still saw an opportunity to, to do a one-year rental. And I mean, yeah. it clearly worked out okay for them. They got a championship out of it. And the other thing with Dame is, I don't see Dame just knowing everything about Dame and the way he's handled himself for his whole career and just kind of who he is and the way he carries himself. If he wants to get traded and doesn't get traded, he's not going to do the James Harden thing and make it Mm -hmm. into a distraction and like show up out of shape or blow off training camp or any of that. Like if I had to guess how this is going to play out, I think it's going to be closer to when Chris Paul was in new Orleans, because do you remember he requested a trade from new Orleans in the summer of 2010, the same summer that like LeBron and all them went to Miami. Like he wanted to get traded then. Like, and they talked to a few different, like they talked to Portland at one point, they talked to Dallas. They like, they talked to the Knicks. They talked to a few different teams about trading him. They didn't end up doing it. And then Chris Paul, that next summer or the next fall at training camp, showed up and did his job and was a professional and it didn't become a distraction. He addressed it at training camp. He didn't address it after that. And then they made the playoffs. They had that competitive first-round series with the Lakers that year. And then that next offseason, after the lockout, they got the deal done and, and, mm-hmm. and got him traded. But Chris you know, showed up and did his job and didn't make it into a whole you know, circus like maybe somebody like James Harden did or in, in Houston or Anthony Davis did in New Orleans. And I think Dame, just everything we know about Dame and kind of the way he is, I don't think he's going to do that. And so even yeah. if he asks for a trade this offseason and they don't do it, I don't think he's going to force the issue. Like he can't, he only, like they can tell him, okay, you're going to, you know, you know, it, you know, he can, he can say, okay, well, I'm not going to show up. Okay. Are you going to not show up for four years? <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's not going to, and then as far as the Lakers end of it, I, they, they have no picks because they traded all their picks for Anthony Davis. And like, I don't think Kyle Kuzma and Taylor Horton Tucker is like a real no. offer. Like, frankly, I don't think any of the contending teams that it would make sense to trade for him really have yeah. an offer that makes sense. Like people are talking about Miami, Clippers. like what Tyler, Tyler hero and precious Achua. I don't think is like, like I would like, if I were the Blazers, I would need bam to be in the deal. And I don't think bam would be on the table from Miami's standpoint. So there's really not a deal even out there right now that makes sense. So that's the, that's the other part of it. But the other part of it is I just don't think that, you know, a Dame's going to really force the issue the way that like James Harden did and B based on what we know about Neil Olshay, Neil will never admit defeat about anything. So I think <laughs> if Dame came in and asked for a trade, he would 
delay yeah. it as long as possible, just, you know, out of defiance. And so my, my read on it, basically like the, 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 the short answer for this is my read is that the Blazers have a year to mm-hmm. get their act together and make actual moves that Dame wants them to make and make real improvements. And then maybe, because I think that Dame, this isn't to me about Dame, wanting to be in a bigger market or wanting to be in a yeah. different city. I think he does he still love, <laughs> he loves Portland and he loves, you know, the city and the fans and all of that, but he doesn't want to be Kevin Garnett in Minnesota where he's having this incredible career. And then they're never able to put anything around him where he's able to actually yeah. seriously contend because I mean, they did make the conference finals a couple of years ago, but even that you can say, they played against the uh, Thunder where Paul George had two messed up shoulders and then they faced Denver and they Denver was just kind of young and not ready. Like even yeah. the one time they did make a deep run, you can say they caused some breaks. So I don't think, and I think cause, cause Dame signed that extension after that run. And I think at the time he felt like, Hey, we caught some breaks. You know, we made a run. We can do this again next year. And I think pretty clearly after the last two playoff uh, exits, he has kind of realized like, he couldn't have literally one of the best playoff performances of all time in game five of the Denver series. And it's still not enough to beat a team that's starting Austin rivers and Facundo Campazzo in the, the backcourt. So I think, yeah. I think that was kind of clarifying for him. So, I mean, the it's really, I mean, and you saw this at the press conference that he did on Friday from team USA, where he basically everything, everything where he said, we need to be more urgent. We need to do, you know, you know, show that we want to win that, that we was Neil Olshay. That's who he was talking about. And Neil Olshay's uh, MO over the last few years is to just run it back and just, you know, behind Dame CJ and Nurk, like maybe switch some guys out on the margins as far as like role players go. Dame is pretty much just putting his cards on the table saying, look, you need to actually do your job. Dude, yes, like go, go all in. Do, <laughs> do, do, do what Mil, do what Milwaukee did to get Drew Holiday, even if it means giving up a million picks. If there's somebody like that that you can get, like go do it. Actually, right. like even even if you take a swing and it doesn't work out, take the swing. And I think that's kind of Dame's stance. So, I guess the natural question there becomes, what's up with CJ? Like, what where where does CJ end up? You know, that's because he seems to be the person or the player on that team who could get you some kind of return that does what Dame is kind of hoping for, right? In hitting the reset button to a certain extent and bringing in, whether it's like a Ben Simmons, you know, if you have to send CJ and stuff to, to, to go get Ben Simmons, um, he, he seems the most natural player to be able to be moved, but of the assets that they have, where does he go? Do you think he even moves? It depends on, again, who wins this kind of standoff. Yeah. Because with, I mean, it's pretty clear from what Dame was saying that that's It's crazy that there's a standoff at all. Like, it's Neil O'Shea and Damian Lillard. I mean, that's a totally totally (laughs) other discussion about kind of this, where this organization is at. But but I don't think Dame wants CJ traded because of anything to do with CJ. Like it's not because like they don't get along or they don't like each other. Like I haven't heard anything to that effect. As far as I know, their relationship is still good, but Dame is smart enough to know, like look at the Blazers salary cap situation look at their roster and say that CJ is the only guy that they would be able to move and actually get real upgrades. And so I think that's kind of what he is trying to push for now with, with Olshay. I mean, I think the best way to explain the the CJ thing with Olshay, because I think most other GMs would have at least like looked at different things mm-hmm. at 
different points with this. I My understanding is that anytime teams have called about CJ, he's been just as untouchable as Dane to Neil. Crazy. And the reason for so here so here's where that's that, that comes he, from. He's though. his big win, right? Like he's the he's the thing that he gets to hang his hat on. Is yes, yes, yeah, exactly. So CJ. Well, so he he did draft Dame too, but he took the job mm-hmm. in May of 2012, like a month before that draft. And the scouting department that was already in place had already done most of the work on Dame that year, as far as scouting him and vetting him and doing the background. Mm-hmm. Intel stuff and Neil just kind of showed up three weeks before the draft and made the final call to take him. Mm-hmm. CJ is the one where he was involved in the process of scouting him the whole time. He was the one that really, you know, pushed for him and like he's the one that Neil can take credit for. Yeah. And so that, I mean, I mean, as you've seen at different points, Neil will, you know, the contract that he gave to Myers Leonard was basically doubling down because he drafted him and he didn't want to, uh, or, you know, and, and Alan Crabb mm-hmm. was kind of the same way. It was like a guy that he felt like he discovered in the second round. And then when uh, Brooklyn threw that huge offer sheet at him, he matched because he didn't want to let a guy that he drafted that turned out to be good walk. Right. That's just kind of how he does things. And so that's, that's where, that's where his reluctance to trade CJ comes from. And so I think if Neil had his way, they would just run this back and then, you know, you maybe switch out the Carmelo Anthony spot for somebody, or you switch out like the Ennis Cantor spot for somebody and just kind of make moves around the margins and just say, look, you know, Nurkic and CJ missed like half the season and we didn't get Norman Powell until, you know, the trade deadline. So that's how Neil is, I think would like to operate, but Dame pretty clearly is putting pressure on him publicly at the media. And I, I would assume, I don't know anything about what they talked about in that meeting that they had on, uh, on Friday, but uh, I would imagine that a lot of that same stuff was communicated to Neil by Dame. Yeah. So I think, I think everybody knows where each other stands at this point. And it's just a matter of a, what kind of offers are out there for CJ and B whether Neil actually wants to pull the trigger on one of them. I don't, I don't really know. It might not be a, one for one CJ for like another big name guy. It might be like a CJ for two or three guys that make some smaller salaries, but actually fit better and give you more depth and, you know, give you more options. That's, that's more, that's probably the more realistic thing. I don't think the Ben Simmons thing is going to happen because I don't think either side really is going to yeah go it, for that. It makes too much sense, I guess. <laughs> well, though, so here's, so here's the, here's the, so from the Philly perspective, I've I others have reported this and I've heard the same thing. If Daryl Morey is going to do a Ben Simmons trade with Portland, it's going to be for Dane. Dane. Like he he's, he's not really trying to play the Ben Simmons card to get CJ when, if he holds out, maybe Dame is going to actually ask for a trade. And then the, and then you can use, instead of it being CJ and stuff for Ben Simmons, it can be Ben Simmons and stuff for Dame. So that's where Morey is thinking about it. And now from the Blazers perspective, I mean, on court, Ben Simmons and Damian Lillard together is just, is the idea of that is incredible. Like it makes a ton of sense. But one thing that I think you have to kind of factor in here is that Simmons, I mean, we've all seen all the kind of the stuff with Simmons, like over this last playoff run, there's been questions about like 
his mental makeup, I guess, and work and his ethic, work that, ethic, that, and I right, never like, heard that about Doc a basically threw him under the bus at at their end of season uh, press conference. There's all this stuff, and Dame over the course of his time in Portland has had a lot of projects like that. Whether it was Yusuf Nurkic, obviously who came in from Denver with a whole bunch of different attitude concerns, and Dame kind of had to take him under his wing and stay on him to you know, to get the most out of him or, you know, Mo Harkless was another guy that that kind of, uh, happened with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, as far as like a guy who like didn't have a lot of confidence coming from Orlando and had to kind of be talked up a lot. And Hassan Whiteside was another guy that, you know, they put his locker right next to Dame's on purpose because they wanted Dame to be a good influence on him. I think Dame at this point in his career is kind of just over it as far as having to do that. And even though Ben Simmons would be the most talented player, I think that Dame has ever played with Mm -hmm. the idea of another guy that would come in and Dame would have to stay on him and basically babysit him in order to get the most out of him. I don't think Dame would be too psyched about that at this point in his career. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a really good point about, you know, just the, the, the off court dynamic there, or even to a certain extent on court, what does a situation look like in which CJ succeeds? Right. Because I don't think him and Dame as your centerpieces, as your backcourt, as where you're spending the majority of your cap on, I just don't think as a pairing basketball wise, that's, that's going to do much winning at the highest of levels because neither of those guys are, are very good on the defensive end. Um, so if he's going to, if he's going to go off and he's going to be in a situation where he might be able to win a championship and what does that look like? I think it's kind of a poor man's version of whatever you want the ideal Dame situation to be. You want to pair yeah. him with either like a dominant big, like, you know, Embiid and Philly, or you want to pair him with, a wing that can do more defensively. Like, I don't know who, what a name would be like a Paul George or something. I mean, obviously yeah. the Clippers are not really in play, but just like that, that's like the archetype of a player that you would want to put next to a guy like a CJ or a Dame. Yeah. That is there, would... is there, you know, cause so for example, again, Lakers podcast, Lakers podcast feed. I feel like, if there was a way to get CJ to the Lakers, like he would make a lot of sense for both sides of that equation. I think he'd be great there. He'd be phenomenal as, as a, you know, primary slash secondary uh, creator when, when uh, LeBron is off of the court and then you have the defensive makeup where you have LeBron and AD to, to make up for some of what, what CJ uh, can't do on that end of the court defensively. And, and so he just he, he feels like a a perfect kind of third star if that is the direction that the Lakers want to go in this year where they where they do out go, do go out and get a third big name. The question again comes back to how the hell do the Lakers use whatever assets they have? <laughs> I don't to think get- they have. It. I mean, <laughs> again, they gave up all their picks for Anthony Davis, and yeah. I don't think I'll do respect to Taylor Horton Tucker and Kyle Kuzma. I don't think those two guys are really going to, I mean, maybe, maybe in a vacuum, you can make the argument for it, but I don't think Neil O'Shea is going to look at either of those two guys and say, uh, this is who I'm going to trade my prize discovery for. Yeah. If like, what would it look like if, or when Neil O'Shea gets fired? Like, is there, is there, (laughs) is is there a scenario? Cause here's, here's how I'll put it. This is what it would look like for most GMs or most presidents of basketball operations to get fired where you have a standoff between not just, not just superstar, but most 
popular player in organization's history, best player in organization's history. Like this is Dame is Portland Kobe. And had Kobe said, yeah, I'm, I'm sick of dealing with Mitch Kupchak. Mitch Kupchak would have been gone. That was it. That would have been it. And, and for some reason here with Dame and Olshay, that isn't the case. So not like, to mention Neil Olshay running a totally fraudulent coaching search that where he lied right. about how much they investigated <laughs> the rape allegation against his handpicked coaching candidate. There's that exactly. part. Of, like, and then Dame caught some of the blowback for that too. And Neil basically left him out there to, uh, the dry. Yeah. To catch all that stuff. Like, right. Like I, like, so like, again, what, what would it take to get this guy fired? Because I don't, I, at this point, a lot of the boxes are already checked. I think that the reporting about, the way that the investigation was handled, that OPB report where the accuser's attorney said on the record that they didn't even contact them after Olshay was at, you know, handled it the way he did at the press conference where he said that their investigation was proprietary and you're just going to have to take our word for it. And then it comes out that they didn't actually really investigate anything. And even like the investigator that they hired, I don't know if you saw some of the stuff about that guy because- <laughs> Somebody found his Twitter account and there was some stuff on there that would make me think. a fascist. <laughs> well, right. There was, there, there, was, there was a lot of stuff on that account where you would maybe look at it and say, this is maybe not somebody whose judgment we want to try. Like the way that all of that was handled, I would think would be a fireable offense anyway. And I did hear, and I tweeted something about this. I had heard at various points over the last uh, week that, there were discussions in the organization about whether this was tenable or not for him to even stay after that whole thing blew up. Clearly he did end up convincing whoever he needed to convince that everything's great. And he is not the problem. He's usually pretty good at convincing people of that. If you want to know what Neil Olshay's best skill is, it's <laughs> talking his way out of things yeah. and making sure everybody knows that whatever bad happened wasn't his fault. That's something that he's great at. Yeah, well, I mean, that... as far as what it would take for him to get fired, I think either this story with the investigation and like the rape allegation against Chauncey and all that stuff, it has to really either really not go away to a point where like they can't do anything in public without that getting brought up. That would be one mm -hmm. thing to happen or the team would have to get bought, which is going to happen at some point. I just have heard mixed things about when I've heard it could happen tomorrow, or I've heard that Jody could be hanging on until the next TV deal or the expansion and then get that last payout and then sell the team. But usually, you know how this stuff works. Usually when someone new buys the team, they want to bring in their own people. Then, mm -hmm. And that, that I think, I think the most likely scenario for Neil O'Shea to not or be somebody without Neil O'Shea's resume. <laughs> 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 or somebody who was not that guy, even if it's not their people per se, it's not right. that guy. Right. No, right. Exactly. Like I think, I mean, I think any, I think anybody who buys the team is going to want to just kind of look, looking around at this whole situation, just kind of want to wash their hands of anything. The thing that would be interesting to me is, and I've heard a few people float to me the idea that Chauncey might not even last until the season yeah. opener. I don't, I don't see that happening as long as Neil's still there because I feel like those two are a package deal at this point because mm -hmm. the way that this coaching search ran, and I mean, I reported this, other people reported this at the time, there was only ever one candidate for the coaching job. Like Becky Hammond got kind of a fake interview for PR purposes and like D'Antoni got an interview, but 
I had heard going back to February or March that Neil Olshay was going to hire Chauncey Billups. That was fascinating to me because with Chauncey, obviously that's who basketball people favor, but it was, it was really interesting. I don't, I, the, the reports that I saw, and I don't know if you corroborated them, but, but that Jody preferred Becky Hammond. And I don't know I, if like, you're talking about if that was more PR, like more, more help to Becky on, on that front. But that was interesting that ownership favored somebody and, and actually basketball ops went out. You don't see that very often. I do believe that Jody Allen would have liked to be the team that hired the first woman head coach. Mm-hmm. But I also well, think that Jody, <laughs> yes, if you will, I, I, also think that Jody has been so hands off with basketball operations ever since her brother passed away. Like this coaching search where she was involved in the interviews was the first time you've ever really heard her name being floated as being involved in anything. Usually Mm -hmm. she would just kind of rubber stamp whatever Neil brought to her as far as like trades he wanted to do or when he wanted an extension and Terry Stotts wanted an extension and all of this stuff, like she, he would, Neil would just kind of, Neil probably has them, honestly, Neil probably has the most autonomy of any front office executive in the league it's ever since. I mean, and that wasn't the case when man. Paul Allen was alive. I think if Paul Allen was alive, we wouldn't be talking about any of this right now, because yeah. I think, I think after that press conference at the end of the season, where old Shea sat up there and said that the first round exit was not a product of the roster. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think Paul Allen would have stepped in at that point and said, okay, this guy's got to go. Yeah, I don't think it would have gotten to that point, but Jody is pretty hands off. It's pretty well known around the league that Jody isn't really interested in owning the team long term. And it's just a matter of when is she going to sell? And so I do believe that she wanted Becky Hammond, but I think that her having not been involved for this long with basketball ops and also I don't know how much of a say Dame had in it, obviously because of how controversial the Chauncey hire was. Dame is coming out and saying he had nothing to do with the coaching search. I don't think that's entirely accurate either. I know that he uh, was involved in the coaching interviews and like he was sitting in on the interviews when the candidates met with Neil Olshay and Jody Allen. He was involved in those conversations. I know that, I mean, obviously I, I, I don't know. I can't, you'd have to ask Dame deep down which coach he preferred i have heard that he really liked mike d'antoni and he would have been very happy with mike d'antoni if that's who they had decided to hire but i don't know exactly where he stood on that but i think it was more of like yes jody allen wanted uh becky hammond but i think there were more voices in the room that were just kind of willing to go along with what neil olshay wanted to do and what neil wanted the whole time was chauncey phillips because Chauncey played for the Clippers 10 years ago when Neil was GM there. And that's the most important qualification in Neil's eyes. And I mean, look on a pure basketball level, like throwing out the other stuff, there's plenty of reason to believe that, you know, based on his pedigree and what he was as a player and kind of how respected he was. He has a really high reputation. yeah, Yeah. Like he's been offered front office jobs before and like other coaching jobs. Like there's reason to believe that Chauncey Billups is probably going to be a pretty good head coach. It's just, the you know the the allegations yeah. which i which i will admit i you know as somebody who follows this stuff 24 7 and whose job it is to follow this stuff obviously the jason kidd stuff i think was a complete non-starter when dame brought that up because i think everybody knows about jason right. kidd's off-court history and i think that's just there's no way that was ever going to happen and so but like everybody knows about that i had no idea about chauncey's 1997 mm-hmm. allegation until like 
a month ago when he started to get linked to these head coaching jobs and somebody started bringing it back, it back up on social media and then like the articles started recirculating like that was not something that was really out there in the public consciousness so i could totally understand how somebody was unaware of it but then when you read the details and look i'm not really interested in going back through a case from almost 25 years ago and deciding whether i think somebody did or didn't do this thing when you know we none of us were there none of us really know what happened but just from a just from a common sense standpoint as far as how to handle these coaching searches yeah if i were a gm if i were deciding to hire a coach and my two options were you hire somebody who has this in their past and in their background that you're going to have to answer for and deal with everything that the Blazers have had to deal with for the last few weeks based on that. Or you just hire somebody else and you don't have to think about that. You basically just had to not hire Chauncey Billup or Jason Kidd and you were fine. Like, right. and this isn't even about, like, I know a lot of people made this about Becky Hammond because no, it's, it's, about kind, of a, it's kind of a bad, <laughs> it's kind of a bad look that, you know, you gave a woman a fake interview and then hired a man with this, this specific sort of allegation. Like I understand that, but it's not even about Becky Hammond. Like Mike D'Antoni would have been a perfectly fine choice. Like there's plenty mm-hmm. of, there are so many people you could have called who would have been good coaching like like candidates even like if you just want to do the if you want to if you want to do like the Chauncey Billups archetype if you want to do the black young assistant first time you know net first time head coach call him a Udoka before he took the Celtics job he's from Portland he probably would have had interest in that call Wes Unsell Jr. before he took the like there's so many people you could have called you know if you want an experienced defensive coach and you know Shea talked about how he wants the team to get better on the defensive end Steve Clifford's out there you could have gotten Steve Clifford yep Like there's so many people you could have gotten where the press conference for the coaching hire and the conversation since then would have been about the basketball side of it and not about how you mishandled this allegation and this investigation that, and that's going to be the conversation about it. There's so many ways you could have gone to avoid that. And Neil Olshay was just totally determined to hire Chauncey Billups above all else. And nobody was going to stop him because nobody ever stops him from doing what he wants in this organization ever since Paul Allen died. Yeah. I mean, the one thing, the one thing that really helped the situation was when uh, Chauncey was asked about his past and was getting ready to answer. And, <laughs> and that was put the kibosh on. Like, yeah, that was, that was just a terrible, that was a terrible look. And I don't know if you noticed this, but I went back and listened back. Cause when I was after the press conference, when I was writing about it, I went back and listened to the audio because I wanted to make sure like I got all the quotes, right. But when I asked Neil, the question about what actually happened in the investigation and who they talked to. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's proprietary. You're just going to have to take our word for it, which kind of went viral or whatever. Yeah. The Always a great, he, always a great response when it comes right. to allegations. Always. Right. <laughs> right. And I had, I had, I've had a Especially few with a shady Twitter me, character, <laughs> a few people, uh, I had a few people ask me since then, if I'm going to start selling shirts that say that's proprietary, Sean. And I think if it were about a less serious topic than the investigation yeah. into the coach's rape allegation, that might be something I would look at, but I'm not, but if you, yeah. anyway, if you listen to that audio, the moderator begins to say something and then Neil talks over her. So I think they were prepared to cut that question off too. And just say, look, we, acknowledge that the allegation exists in our opening statement and we're not going to talk about it again after that. Like, I think that's, that was kind of their approach to it. And I don't think that that's going to serve them. And I, and honestly, I think it probably would have gone away if it weren't for them. This OPV report came out. Well, I mean, even, even when they handled it the way they handled it, 
if this OPB report hadn't come out where the accuser's attorney said on the record that they were never contacted. Yeah. Now Neil has to answer for that whenever he talks and who knows when he's going to talk again. He talks like twice a year. So it might be like six months before he actually has to talk again. And by then maybe people will have forgotten about this, but uh, this really, they, this could have been handled better than it was handled either by just hiring a <laughs> different coach. It could have been coach. handled worse. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it could have, I don't know if it could have been handled worse, but like you could have either just hired a different coach who doesn't have this sort of allegation yeah. or if you're going to hire Chauncey Billups, for you have fallout. to sit up there and let him answer every single question about yeah. this and let Neil Shea be prepared to answer every question and don't say it's proprietary and don't have your moderator cut off any follow-up questions. Like you have to, if you're going to do this, you have to sit up there and answer every question that anybody has about it. The last question I have um, before, before we get out of here with, with our little game that we play every show, but uh, is this, you know, so you have the, potential or or impending sale of the franchise right right you have unhappy superstar you mm -hmm. have a coach who you just said a, a while ago might not make it to opening day either. i think he is at this point yeah i think i think i think if neil olshay has survived this long i don't think they're gonna because because the other thing is if chauncey goes are you gonna let neil olshay hire the next coach because i don't right. think that's something you i think they're i think they're both safe at this point right well so if if <laughs> if somehow uh, Neil O'Shea does lose his job, my question is like, is that even a desirable job at this point? Like, what kind of candidate are you going to get who, as soon as they step in, has to be worried about a sale where whoever buys a franchise might want to hire their pre people in the first place anyway? And then add to that the controversy over Billups and add to that what's going on here with Dame. Like, whoever steps in is going to have to trade either – Damian Lillard, most popular player in, in franchise's history, or CJ McCollum, super popular player who is sitting right now at somewhat diminished value. Like, I don't know. It, it is one of 30 jobs. That's always what you have to say when it comes to, you know, executive jobs in the NBA. But still, for those who, who can go out or could go out and they hiring that person would do a lot to, to you know, settle down the, the, the fan base. I don't think any of those kinds of candidates are looking at this very seriously. It would depend on how much money they get offered. Yeah. And that's one thing you don't have to worry about with the Vulcans mm -hmm. is whether they have the money to go after somebody. I just, I don't, I think if, I think if anything were going to happen, it would have happened by now. And it would have happened. It would have happened this past week after the reports came out about the investigation. I think there was a little bit of heat on Neil for a couple of days. He seems to have weathered that. I think if this were going to happen, mm -hmm. it would have happened by now. And I think that at this point, the status quo is just going to kind of be what it is. And now it's just going to, I think we'll know a lot after the Olympics because the Olympics end about a week after free agency starts the beginning of August. And so by then, whatever moves there are to be made for Neil Shea, as far as trading CJ or whoever you're going to sign in free agency, that stuff is all probably going to have played out by the time Dame gets back from Tokyo. And then I think he can look around and, you know, he will have, depending on how things go in Tokyo, if they, you know, get it together and win the gold medal and, you know, he's happy he's coming off of that. He maybe comes back and looks and sees that, okay, they actually made some changes. They shook up the roster. Like I'm in a better spot now. We just won gold medal. I'm happy. Like we're going to 
uh, you know, I'm going to you know, give this another shot and I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Or the worst case scenario is USA flames out <laughs> in the, in the Olympics, like they did yeah. in, the, in the world cup a couple of years ago, or, you know, and, you know, who, who really knows what's going to happen with this Olympics? Cause it seems like it's already kind of a disaster with yeah, how many COVID even cases happen. there are. And, oh, I think it's going to happen. They're going to get their money, but it's, it, <laughs> it shouldn't happen. No, like, yeah. but, <laughs> but I mean, that, that's a whole other discussion. Like Japan is already just not doing great right now for COVID just in general. And now you have to have people flying in from all over the world for this Olympics. Yeah. Like, and then that's but flying like, out. Right. That's but let's say part. that let's say that the U.S. like wins bronze or like doesn't even medal in the Olympics. And then Dame comes back and sees that they didn't trade CJ and they like just, you know. Didn't bring back Ennis Cantor, but brought in Robin Lopez and like didn't bring back Carmelo Anthony, but like brought in Kevin Love as a buyout guy. And like those are the moves that Neil made. And that's the whole offseason. Mm-hmm. Then I think Dame might be looking at this and going, uh, I don't know about this. Maybe I need to force the issue a little bit more. Mm hmm. Well, in that, and and that's the thing is, I, I, I can't believe we we have reached a point here with Neil O'Shea where Dame applying even more pressure. Does that? <laughs> I don't know how that doesn't result in the end of Neil O'Shea. The whole thing is is super fascinating. Absentee uh, owner, man. Like I like I yeah. said, if Paul Allen was alive, I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But. I don't, I think, I think Jody's just trying to hang on until she can sell. And Neil is, uh, I don't know what Neil's salary is, but I think he is one of the more well-paid front office executives in the league. He got a pretty big extension and raise after the Western conference finals run in 2019. So he has a lot of autonomy there. And so I think so far it hasn't really been checked. And I don't know if there's anyone in the organization who's going to check it. So he could just like, and honestly, if Dame does ask for a trade and he has to trade Dame, then he can pivot and build around CJ and whatever you get back in the Dame yeah. trade. And that's and that's Especially how like, Simmons. Right. Or some or something like for Neil, like if, if, if for Neil O'Shea, it's more it's not it, it's it's about preserving your job security first and building a contender second. That's kind of always that's <laughs> that's that's kind of always been always healthy. Operating. That's so what I we'll, for my executives. So we'll see how, <laughs> I mean, I mean, every, every front office executive is like that to a degree, but mm-hmm. like I said, Neil probably has the most power of any executive in the league in terms of just not having anybody he has to answer to and not having anybody that. Well, other than like Rich Paul with the Lakers, you know, I would, I would argue Rich Paul at the Lakers has, has quite a bit of autonomy. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, I want to, I want to talk about, I, I want to ask you like, are we, how is how is this going to go now? Like, is 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 Adele going to go on the shop? Is LeBron going to A and R the next Adele album? Do you? I don't know if you saw Yusuf Nurkic tweeted out like an Adele lyric last night on Twitter. That's amazing. I wonder if like is this like part of the corporate rollout of the Rich Paul Adele relationship that like now he's going to have all the clutch players like tweet out Adele lyrics? Is that like like is Adele just part of the LeBron extended cinematic universe now? Are they going to like is 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 she going to have a a cameo in the director's cut of Space Jam 2. Well, they, they have to they have to come out with now Space Jam 3 to get her on the soundtrack. Like that's the key here. It, yeah, they, I don't know how long I don't know how long like how this movie's been in the works long around. enough. Like we did did we not like you could have had her sing the hook on like the Damian Lillard track that was on the Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it, all of this is it, none of it is is uh out of the question off the table, I don't think. I it's it's just a matter of when. It's <laughs> this, this is the world we live in now, Sean. Like this is where we are talking about Adele and Clutch. Um, no, good, right. good for Rich. Good for Rich Paul, man. That's a yeah. that's a that's a that's come a up for him. <laughs> um, so 
So the uh, we end this we we end um, every episode of my show this the same way, and uh, the the point of it is to try to add to the internet's uh, catalog of embarrassing moments out there among uh, people who covered the NBA. So I'm kind of curious. Do you have a Do you have a most embarrassing sports moment over your athletic career? Athletic career? Yeah. Do you have Did you Did you Did you play basketball or any sport growing up and have a moment that that you look back on and, and wish didn't happen? The last time I played basketball was about five years ago. I got an invite to some media tournament. Uh huh at a school this was back when i lived in chicago and it was like a nike thing Mm. and i thought it was just gonna be you know you come to this to this this high school gym you're gonna like wear some of our shoes and then you get to take the shoes home and it's gonna just be like these couple of private workout sessions yeah and that's all it was gonna be (laughs) i did not realize that it was gonna culminate in there being a media celebrity influencer game Oh no. <laughs> at this actual like high school, high school slash pro-am tournament where like right. there were a bunch of NBA guys there. <laughs> I don't remember. It was like Jabari Park. It was like a bunch of like Chicago guys. Uh-huh. And then uh and then like some high school kids. And then there was also like as as the undercard, there was gonna be like a, a media influencer celebrity game. Uh you can ask Ricky about this because he was he I, played I this game too. It. Yeah. I didn't do anything like in particular in the game, but like I, it was, it was a situation where like I got the, every time I got the ball, I was like trying to pass it. And then by, (laughs) by the end of the game, like I think somebody in the crowd or the announcer or somebody had caught on to the fact that I was like the only person in the game that hadn't shot it yet. And I was like, I was just trying to like keep a low profile and not draw attention to myself. But then like as time expired, every, they passed me the ball and everybody cleared out. And I just, I shot, I shot a three and I think it was off by Uh like two feet. <laughs> That's amazing, though. I love, I love the approach. I think it's. Really I was just smart. like, nope. I'm. I thought I was just gonna do this to get some free shoes. I did not think I was gonna have to play in front of like an actual crowd. I'm just gonna try to lay low and hope nobody notices who me. Was and who was not shooting? And it backfired. I'm not even. I'm not even like a big deal like that. I'm not some yeah. like like who who cares whether I take a shot or not in this game. Like I'm not. I'm not like important. I'm not somebody that like. Yeah. people have heard of or that people like know about like no I, I love the approach that's a great approach that i think i think uh it's been long enough after the fact i think this was the first summer league that i ever went to and um and i played in in the pickup game that they have every year there that steve oh Crowley i want absolutely in. no parts of that i've heard I, like i know that like rob mahoney is like a legend at those games like nate duncan Adam Mata is does like a lot of that like, ridiculously yeah. good i hate it that's what um, i've heard I, I i i want no part of that so I went out and I played there and I was fine. Like I just, you know, I took a couple shots, made a couple shots. Uh, that was the night that the, that the Euro stumble happened. But uh, you know who probably should have taken your approach to not shooting is probably Steve Kyler. Cause he, <laughs> <laughs> he kept firing away, man. Oh my God. And they just got like further and further and further away. Like there's the attempts got further from the basket and the balls, like where the ball was winding up, got further away from the basket it just he was he was he was able to keep doing that because he stacked his team with four like college players. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it says it's his game. He can he can yeah, get like it was, it was it was genius all the way around. Everything about it was genius. But I really I really love the your approach. You just kind of 
stand out there on the court, move the basketball and, and then hope nobody notices. It's, I want to find, we got to find the person who noticed that you hadn't shot yet and, and scold them publicly. We're going to get Ricky back on here and see if we Ricky can. Will, Ricky will probably have more insight into this than I, than I would. <laughs> I, was, I was just, I'm a, I'm a pass first point guard in the sense that I'm a pass only point guard. You're, you're, you're young Rondell, right? We're, <laughs> we're... Or Ben Simmons without being able to score around the basket or defend. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, thank you very much for humoring me. There. That's a phenomenal story. That's really, really good stuff. And thank you for all the information on the Blazer situation, which is not going away. It's like not. We, it's gonna, it's going to be another year. Like like I said, I think Dame isn't going to get traded until next offseason. So this is going to be a thing. Yeah. He's going to either ask for a trade this summer, address it at camp, and then not talk about it again. And then be, even if he doesn't talk about it again, it's still, it's still over the course of the about. season. It's going to be a thing. Yeah. Or, you know he maybe 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 neil olshay makes real moves and dame actually changes his mind and decides he wants to stay that's kind of has didn't that, that happen with the lakers at one that point happened where with kobe, kobe where kobe mm-hmm. wa- wanted to get traded and then they ended up they went out and got power and then they and then kobe was like okay i'm good now yeah well even before then because bynum started showing out and right had, bynum had a game against seattle um and played really really well and they asked kobe like if if he feels better about his situation and they were winning games, so Kobe said, "Like, yeah, I feel great about the situation now." I, yeah, that's going to really... be how it all kind of. By the way, I'm so happy. I mean, I they're 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 probably about to win the title, so it's like a moot point. But I'm so happy that Giannis signed his extension before last season because there were times during this past season where the Bucks were struggling or whatever, and I can just tell that if Giannis hadn't signed his extension and he was about to be a free agent that was going to be like every single regular season game was going to be a referendum on whether he was going to stay or leave. So I'm just, I, I I thank Giannis for just getting that completely out of the way. And now they're about to win a title. So he actually probably is going to get an extension. He's going to (laughs) go most fireable. You know what though? You know what though? When you win a title, nobody can really touch you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Well, this was a blast. Thank you very much. You guys can check out all of his stuff at Bleacher Report. Uh, And I, I, I would, I'm telling you guys to go check all of it out, whether it was the coverage of the allegations against Chauncey Billups, the resulting press conference that they completely bungled, the entire Dame situation. Hyken has been on top of all of it. So you can follow him um, on Twitter at Hyken, and then you can uh, and then uh, check out all of this stuff at Bleacher Report. Thanks very much, man. Thanks for having me on.